But I'm, I'm excited about today, man. And um, I really want to lean into kind of what's, what's on my heart. And I want to read a passage of scripture found in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Um, this is what it says. It says, the wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. <laughs> Elisha said, well, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. That'll preach right there. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside. Shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars as each is filled and put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. I want to <laughs> uh, tag a title to this text, this second sermon in this series called Headaches. Here's the subject. I want you to drop it in the chat. Help your brothers and sisters receive this revelation. Here it is, family. I need to think about it I I need I need to think about it ladies and gentlemen as I ease into this introduction today I I want to do so by informing some and reminding others about a trait of your pastor I can put words together, but I cannot put things together. <laughs> I can build teams, churches, and companies, but I cannot build anything else that requires the use of my hands. My children have their mother to thank. have their mother to thank for the construction of the toys around Christmas. Pastor Shamika has a tool belt. Darius Daniels does not. <laughs> and I don't have any issue admitting this reality because I believe in the words of David that I've been crafted by in a customized manner by my creator that I am fearfully and wonderfully made watch this and even my deficiencies are my distinctive that, that, that is not just the things that I can do that make me me it's the things I can't do <laughs> that make me me that 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 my that my deficiencies are actually direction that they are God's way of saying to me, I don't want you to spend your time over here. Because I've built and I've wired and I've constructed you to spend your time over there. I, I need to pause for the cause right there and encourage somebody because the devil is attempting to get you to see your deficiencies as dysfunction. And I want to tell you that your can't do's have been customized by your creator on the inside of you. He says, because I'm going to give you a can't do in the area you ain't called to. 
Did you hear what I just said? He said, that's my gift to you so that you don't waste your time doing something I have not created and crafted you to do. And I want you to celebrate and appreciate what you can do. And I want you to celebrate and appreciate what you can't do. God, thank you for my can-dos and thank you for my can't-dos. I can't put things together. However, there's one experience when uh, I was in a different, uh, different place and Pastor Shamika was away. And instead of waiting for her to get back, I wanted to construct this entertainment center so that I could utilize it to play my video game. My, 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 my Xbox cord wasn't long enough to reach from the television to the floor. So I needed to put it on something so I could play my game. Okay, so as opposed to waiting for Pastor Shamika to come back, I say, I'm going to put this together myself. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to put this together myself. I, I know my can't do's, but I'm going to put this together myself. So I try to follow the instructions and I attempt to, uh, to construct the structure based off of the blueprint that I see in the book inside the box. And when I completed the structure, I realized I had a few screws that were left over. So I examined what I had constructed and I came to the conclusion that it looked steady to me. So these extra screws were unnecessary. Now the structure looked sufficient as long as it had no weight on it. But once I took the Xbox and put it on the structure, the structure that looks steady without weight begin to fall apart underweight. I'm not going to bother this because some of you are comparing yourself to structures who don't have no weight on it. Yeah, they, they, they don't. They, they don't have they don't have a weight you, you you feel like they're killing the game they don't have weight on them yeah 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 but once the weight gets on them the weight reveals whether or not you're constructed properly so so I, I just thought those screws aren't necessary so I put my Xbox at this point this was back in the day it was an Xbox 360 I put the Xbox on the shelf I grabbed my controller because I'm about to get it in Pastor Shamika not there, so I'm going to play until times get better. I'm about to play this game all night. <laughs> all night. No guilt. I'm about to play this game until my fingers start crapping. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm going to play this game. I sit back on the couch and turn my head for a minute and I hear a sound. It wasn't a mighty rushing wind. I heard a sound of the shelf falling. And the Xbox falling with it. Jesus. Crashing to the floor. It was not well with my soul. And I go up to kind of see what happened. And I saw a couple of different holes in different places. That were for those screws. That I thought was unnecessary. I want you to catch this now. So, so my Xbox crashed and what I had built fell apart because I treated a necessity like an accessory. Did you hear what I just said? I said those screws were actually a necessity, but I treated the screws like they were an accessory. So what I had spent all that time building, all that time constructing, fell apart under pressure because I built it treating some things that were necessities like they were accessories and family this not only applies to us when you're building watch this a shelf it also applies to when you're building your life there, 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 there are some things from time to time that we treat as 
accessories that are actually necessities. And then when the pressure and the weight of life begins to get up on you and I, there are times where the thing that we build falls apart because we treat it an accessor- a necessity like it was an accessory. What's falling apart? Because you didn't think those screws mattered. Did you hear what I just said? What, 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 what's falling apart? Because you treat it an, a necessity like it's an accessory. See, see, see. All of us, if we were honestly audit our life, would come to the conclusion that there are some areas where that is or has happened to us. I want to throw out three that I see that happen commonly in spiritual spaces so that we could see if any of these resonate in any way with any of us. So here it is. Here's the first screw that is a necessity that we often treat as an accessory. And here it is. Here it is. I'm going old school this morning. It's the regeneration of the heart. We live in an age and in an era where... That is actually a necessity, but we treat it like it's an accessory. What does regeneration mean? It's what Nicodemus is what Jesus told a man named Nicodemus when he comes to watch this when he comes to Jesus because he's impressed by Jesus's existence and he's impressed by Jesus's activity. And he says, I'm a religious man, but nobody. But but what I'm seeing you do is different. He says, I know you come from God because no one can do the things you do except God be with them. And Jesus looked at a man who has learned, who's accomplished, who credentialed and said you got to be born again he says until you are born again you can't even see the kingdom of God he's saying he's saying listen that this regenerative experience that happens in your heart gives you the capacity for uncommon living that when you get born again that being born again now watch this means that you step out of one bloodline into another So the bloodline issues that limited you before you became born again are now bloodline issues that no longer have to control you after you've been born again because you stepped into another bloodline. And so the blood that comes from the second birth can override the blood that comes from the first birth. You didn't hear what I just said. I'm going to say that one more time. The blood that comes from the second birth can override the tendencies and the traits that we got from the first birth I know you may have an inherited inherited some things from the first birth from your family that you feel like are affecting you adversely but once you get born again being born again enables and empowers you to overcome through the second birth some of the limitations you got through the first and it seems like we live in an age and an era where people are dismissing that You can't do nothing the Bible say without God. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, yeah. You, 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 we can't do anything the Bible says. We cannot carry out God's word without God's assistance. Regeneration of the heart is treated like a accessory when it's a necessity. Here's the second thing. Repentance for our actions is currently treated like an accessory when it's a necessity. I want you to catch this family. The message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom was always preceded with a message of repentance. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom, the king's way, God's original intent for humanity, life as the creator intended. Jesus is saying there's another way for you to live life, but you can't do it until you experience a metanoia. Until you have a U-turn. Not a U-turn, but a wild U-turn. Because that's what repentance means. Repentance, family, is not remorse. 
re, did you hear what I said? Now, remorse can sometimes lead to repentance, but you cannot confuse godly sorrow work of repentance, but you cannot confuse remorse with repentance because repentance means a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. And some people are remorseful about consequences, but they hadn't changed their mind about the thing. Did you hear what I just said? And I am telling you, if you, wanna, if you want to experience elevation, you and I must learn to embrace some U-turns. And I want to bring this back into Christian vocabulary, the importance of repenting. It means to acknowledge that the direction I'm going is unwise and I need to turn around. That there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it's destruction. I got to leave this alone. We don't. We don't, we're not used to this kind of teaching anymore, but I came to tell somebody today, if you will turn around, God will turn it around. Woo, somebody come get me. I can't wait till I get back in a church where people talk back to me. I said, if you will turn around, God will turn it around. You are telling God, turn it around. And God's telling you, you turn around. And if you turn around, I'll turn it around. We, 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 we treat that necessity like it's an accessory. Here's the third one, and this is the one I'm spending all month on right here. Here's the third one. The renewal of the mind. Yeah, this is the one I'm spending all month on right here. Because Paul says in Romans 12, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be, come here King James, ye. <laughs> be ye transformed how Darius by the renewing of your mind that 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 watch this that you can have regeneration which is salvation and not transformation <laughs> which means we need to be honest about this you can be saved and stuck that we can be on our way to heaven but living with heartache all throughout earth. Because what God offers us is more than re included in salvation, which is a benefit package. You get justification. You get regeneration. You get redemption. And you get something. I'm going old school here, but I'm not backing up. You get something called sanctification. We don't talk about this in sanctification, which means to be set apart for holy usage. God Almighty is saying this usage is, ex or God has exclusive rights. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? That, so it, it's almost like the, the, the China that only comes out of the cabinet during holiday and special occasions. It, it, it's, this is reserved for special usage. And, and sanctification is conformation into the image of Christ so that God has exclusive rights to our lives. He says the only way you change your life is by changing your mind. Are y'all ready for where we're going here? Yeah, regeneration is one thing. Transformation is another. But I want to share something with you. Mind renewal. You can have a new heart with an old mind. And that's what's causing headaches. New heart but an old mind. Now, this is what the Apostle Paul, is, is this too old school for y'all? If you're all right in the chat, put I'm all right. I'm all right. This is what the Apostle Paul says. A new heart with an old mind, the Apostle Paul calls carnal. 
this is what he says. He said, he said you, you see what I'm saying? Some stuff we call relevant is carnal. You're relevant because you're carnal. It isn't missional. It's carnal. Paul says to be carnally minded is death. Death. Not literally, but metaphorically. That, that when I have a new heart, but an old mind. That the result of that is that there are things that could live that would die. Come on. He says, but to be spiritually minded, which means to, to allow my mind to be governed by the spirit is life, which means vitality. God Almighty, Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life. See, some people think Jesus said, I've come that, that you might have church. That's not what he said. He said, I've come that you might have life. Life, 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 life. Zoe, not bios. Zoe, life as the creator intended. Abundant life. A life that's eternal in quality and quantity. A different kind of life. A life that makes the rich man jealous. A life that makes Zacchaeus climb a tree. A life that makes Nicodemus come to you at night. He says, I want to give you, I want to give you that life to be, but you only get that when you're spiritually minded. He says that's life and peace. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And this is why the enemy wants us to be a nominal average Christian. This is why he wants us to be weak. This is why he wants us to have no commitment. This is why he wants us to be a mile wide and an inch deep. He wants us not to have any depth, not to have any roots, because he knows if you're carnally minded, you're saved, but you don't have any life and you don't have any peace. Because that happens with the renewal of the mind. Somebody, somebody's like, what kind of preaching is, is this? The kind of preaching we need in 2022. The kind of preaching that is actually going to make a difference. This is February, Black History Month. It's the kind of preaching that produced the kind of Christians that was able to get sprayed with a water hose on Saturday and then go lift their hands on Sunday. We won't lift our hands on Sunday if somebody say something bad about us on Saturday. But they will get sprayed with a water hose on Saturday and go and praise God on Sunday because they had something that gave them roots. Something on the inside. Working on the outside. And it produced, I was having a conversation with somebody, I said, man, I don't know if these, this era and age could experience that kind of heartache without leaving God. We leave God when we don't get a promotion we want. It's no roots. Lord, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm all over. <laughs> I'm all over the place. See, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have roots. I would have lost my mind if I didn't have roots. I would have left church if I didn't have roots. I would have left God if I didn't have roots. I, I, I wouldn't be sane in the membrane if I didn't have roots. Something that could keep me. So we can have a new heart, but oh my. Let me share this with you. Y'all all right? If you're all right, put them all right in the chat. We're getting ready to go there today. I'm pastoring, I'm pastoring today, okay? Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. But mind renewal is progressive, not immediate. And it is compartmentalized initially, but it is only comprehensive intentionally. Darius, what do you mean? Get my life pie, guys. Get my life pie. Put my life pie on the screen. I want you to catch this now. I want you to catch this. Okay. So if your life is slices of pie, which it is, right? <clears throat> your character business slash work, your resources, your health, and your relationships. This is what I'm trying to get people to see about spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is circular, not vertical. <laughs> Language matters, guys. So we often say things like, I'm going higher, which can be true, but higher in what slice? 
spiritual growth is when the king's way is influencing what you do in every slice. Did you hear what I just said? Now, it seems like, and I'm not dismissing the importance of this slice, but it seems like this character slice is the slice everybody wants to live in. Which is important because it affects every other slice. But we got good people who suffer in here. And they suffer in here. And they suffer in here. And they suffer in here because they can get along with God, but they can't get along with nobody else. Y'all are, come on now. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when I'm growing spiritually, it means the spirit of God is now governing the way I handle all of these slices. Are y'all following me? So, so watch this. So I need my mind renewed in the area of my character. I need my mind renewed in the area of business and work. I need my mind renewed in the area of resources. I need my mind renewed in the area of health. I need my mind renewed in the area of relationships. So, so what happens is I need the Spirit of God to comprehensively shift the way I see all these slices. Are y'all ready for where I'm getting ready to go? So now watch this. If I were to say God wants us to renew our mind with character. Would you think the average Christian would say amen? Would you agree? If you agree, say yes in the chat. Say yes in the room if you agree. Okay. If you say, hey, God wants you to renew your mind. He wants you to shift the way you think about relationships. Does that make sense? Like, like say, okay, I know what culture does, but this is what the Bible say. This is this what, this what, see, this is what the Bible say. The Bible say your leadership at home is going to drive your leadership outside of it. See, that's the book right there. And so Paul said, if a person doesn't lead their home well, they will not be able to lead. Okay, gosh. This, so are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I know. That's, that's the book now. So he's not saying that they're disqualified. He's just saying that their leader, that, that if they aren't doing this well, you're going to deal with some of the ramifications and repercussions of that outside the home. So, so if I were to say, God wants us to renew our mind in the area of our relationships, the average Christian would say amen, right? Amen? Okay. If I were to say he wants us to renew our mind in areas of our health, the average Christian would say amen, right? But if I would say he wants, and if I would say he wants to renew our mind in the area of business and work, the average Christian would say, amen, amen right? Holy Ghost showed me something. He showed me something with this one right here. And that's the area of resources. Holy Ghost showed me something. And he showed me something through a statement that was made by a secular business leader. A friend of mine showed me a quote that was made by a Secular business leader, and I don't have time to break, break all this down, solo scriptura versus sola scriptura, with sola scriptura, which means that uh, all truth is determined by what's in the Bible. But there's truth outside of the Bible. The Bible just determines whether or not that's true. You got me? That's called solo scriptura. So la scriptura, not solo scriptura. So it means the Bible is all true, and the Bible determines what is true. But gravity is not in the Bible, but it's true. Right? You throw the ball up, it's coming down. Is that true? Right. If it contradicted the Bible, it wouldn't be true. Make sense? Okay. So, so, so I have to say that because so say you quote somebody, say, okay, no, no, no. So here's the point, right? All truth is God's truth. So this, the Holy, Holy Spirit showed me something. He said, okay, Darius, in this area, uh, uh, the Sermon on Headaches, it's really three areas. That I need you to lean in on. Relationships. We'll talk about that next week. Should you be talking about this? This week is Valentine's. Mm -mm, don't matter. <laughs> don't matter. Because there got to be some mindset shifts there. Yes, sir. People's roles. Mm -hmm. 
That's, that's a whole nother. It's too much value attached to a role. And not to your calling. Don't confuse your role with your calling. All your role is the way your calling is expressed in a specific context, in a specific season. And if that don't change, you ain't growing. <laughs> Relationships, roles, but also resources. Here's the quote. Here's the quote. Here's the quote. Money is not the most important thing in life. But it affects everything that's important. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? It is not the most important thing in life, but it affects everything that's important. And that's what the Holy Spirit showed me, guys. He showed me y'all teach giving in the church. You don't teach stewardship. Did you hear what I just said? It's a no, 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 no. He, he says, if people aren't. Are, are y'all okay? He said, yeah, we, 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 it's like, yeah, we teach giving. But what people need is stewardship. Watch this now. This text I just, the text I read in Kings, I'm preaching a text. We get the text. I'm preaching a text because the text we just read in Kings exposes, exposes and articulates what I'm trying to share with you today. See, this text in Kings reveals to us a family who's in jeopardy because of the unexpected passing of a man. So come on now. So a father and a husband passes away unexpectedly. Watch this now. What's interesting is the man who passed away was a part of the company of prophets. So he was a man with prophetic gifting and he was part of a cohort led by a prophet named Elisha. So he's a man that has prophetic insight but can't see his own death. Did you hear what I just said? He was mentored by Elijah and coached by Elijah but, and he could see a whole lot but he couldn't predict his own passing because if he did, he would have set stuff in order so that his family would not be in jeopardy. You can't tell me you don't think God cares about that. Listen to me now. So he's, 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 this is important. This is important because if he's a prophet, he's prob there's probably intimacy with God but intimacy with God doesn't mean omniscience. Intimacy doesn't mean omniscience. Close to God doesn't mean you know everything God knows. Which means that there's some things you don't know. There's some things you see. There's some things you don't see. There's some things he's talking to you about and there's some things he's not talking to you and me about. So this, this man is a prophet who doesn't predict his own passing. He's righteous. But we could argue he's not wise. Because a kingdom man, I'm not talking about culture man, a kingdom man thinks about how do I cover my responsibilities from my grave? How about, about huh? I see, I feel something on this today. This is, this is, I said, I feel something on this today. I said, when you, a kingdom man, a man operating the king's way says, they are my responsibility even when I'm in my grave. So I don't have bling and not life insurance. Come on. Talk Daniels. Speak Holy Spirit. Speak Holy Spirit. Come on. I, I, I don't, come on. How, how you got, how you got a closet full of sneakers and we have to figure out how to bury you. And so your family's got to do GoFundMe accounts and we're having to pray and send out letters to send you off right. But I mean, but you, you holy though. I mean, you good character. It's a headache. You know. During that time in human history, women were seen in the, Nietzsche, in the, uh, in the far uh, ancient East, they're seen as property. Patriarchy is dominating the culture, so they can't fend for themselves. So she's at, she's, your wife's going to be at the mercy of somebody else coming to marry her to take care of her. 
and your kids will have to become indentured servants to work off the debt you owe. Don't, I want you to catch this now. I want you to catch this. Would you agree? We don't know these man, this man's details, right? So let, let's not just talk about this man. But, 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 but would you agree that even though this man was prophetic and probably had high character, that his, his wife's headache and his children's headache wasn't caused by a lack of character. I'm not minimizing character. I'm just saying we act like character fix everything. We need character, yes, but we need more than character. If you need a prescription field, you need more than character. If you need some groceries, you need more than character. If you want to send your kids to school, you need more than character. So this woman who's in this position reaches out to Elisha. Listen to how she reaches out to him. She goes to him and she says, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know he revered the Lord. This is a good man. This is a good man. And he worked for you. Was loyal to you. Was faithful to you. I'm not going to bother this. Here it is. Here it is. And, 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 and I'm assuming she's reaching out to Elisha and she's saying those things. Because in some sense, she's suggesting, even if it's subliminally, my husband now has been good to you. Now I expect... You to be good to us. I'm not going to bother this. My, my husband sowed a seed of faithfulness. And I'm putting a demand on that seed. I need a return. God's a God of sowing and reaping. And he sowed his life. And I'm expecting a return. So this is interesting now. She tells Elijah the predicament. She said he did. And the creditors are coming. To take my boys. Elisha does something. I don't have time to unpack this. He takes off his prophetic hat and puts on his coaching hat. And he asks her a question. (laughs) He takes off the prophetic hat, puts on a coaching hat, and he asks her a question. He starts coaching her. What do you have in your house? Now, I want you to notice her initial response. She said, nothing. (laughs) You don't even know what's in your house. Did you hear what I just said? I said, she she, she don't even know what's in. She said, nothing. And then she said, except this little jaw off. He said, Elijah said, you got some what? You, 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 got, you, you, you got some what? Mm-hmm. I want you to catch this. Elisha says to her, I want you to go and get some jars for your oil. Get structure for your oil. You got all, but you don't have any structure. What entity, what instrument are you pouring your oil into? Because your oil can't be transported unless it's put into a structure that, can deli- that you can deliver to somebody else. He says, you got oil. 
if you put your oil in a structure, you can deliver your oil to other people. And that oil that you sell becomes a stream that flows back into your life. And I want you to take the stream and pay off the debt. And then you and your sons live off what's next. Y'all not following me? Oil is a metaphor for the anointing. Elisha gifted her not with a check, but with a thought. Did you hear what I just said? He didn't give her anything but a thought. And he gave her, a th- oh my God. <laughs> he gave her a thought on how to use what she already had in her house. And I got to pause right now and tell somebody, you've been asking God for a lot of things. But today, I need you to ask him for a thought. Lord, give me a thought. Give me an idea. If you just show me where to put my oil, I know it can bring overflow into my life. Give me a thought. Lord, give me a thought. Give me a thought. Check says he told her what to do. She followed that instruction. And Elisha said, I want you to go in the house and I want you to close the door behind you. Because bosses make moves, not noise. Hear this. See, hear this. He said, he said, he said, right, this ain't time to post. That, that, that's, he said, you ain't built. He said, you need to work the process in private. You, you need to pour. You need to build the structure in private. You, you need to <laughs> close the door so that you're not distracted by everything that's going on out there. Yeah. Oh my God. She came back and said, prophet, what you want me to do with this? He said, no, now go and sell it. I'm not going to bother that. Because that's, that's a little too much for Sunday morning. Because y'all not, y'all not ready for that. Y'all not, y'all not ready for that. That's, that, 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 that's, that's what I'm coaching now. That, that's too much. Y'all, y'all don't want that on Sunday, y'all. Y'all, y'all. y'all don't want that on Sunday. You don't want that. He didn't say give it away. Because in church, you just didn't give it away. He didn't say give it away. He said put some structure to it. And sell it. Yeah. Did you? He said, I need you to see, I need you to put a demand on the value of your oil. Because if you don't put a demand on this value, you are at the mercy of other people. Oh gosh. He say they need oil. They need oil. So your selling is serving. Your selling is this, this, this really is too. Your selling is serving. So your compensation is a certificate of appreciation for the value you just added to them. See, y'all don't want to. See, we don't want to talk kingdom here. See, Martin Luther, the, not king, but the theologian Martin Luther was once asked, how does God answer the Lord's prayer? And he said, God answers the Lord's prayer. Give us this day our daily bread through the farmer who plants the seed, through the workers that harvest it. Through, through the people that grind it out, through the bakers that bake it, through the transportation company that transports it, to the store that houses it, to the clerk that sells it. He says, you get daily bread because somebody sold something. The only way you eat is because somebody sold something. The only way you wearing clothes is because somebody sold something. The only reason you can hear me on this mic is because somebody sold something. The only reason you can see me on your screen is because somebody sold something. And we have allowed exploiters, liars, manipulators, people that are filled with greed to take hostage of this area. We don't even talk about it anymore. When you don't fix wrong teaching by non-teaching, you fix wrong teaching by right teaching. Lord, give me a thought. Give me a thought on what to do with my oil. And a thought to change my family. A, a, a thought. Did you hear what I just said? She, she was probably could, couldn't even sleep at night because of the pressure and the stress. And the answer was in her house. 
but she needed a word to help her use what was in her house. Now let's take it a little further. The creditors were not coming for her. They were coming for her children. So her actions were not just to free her. It was to free other people. Because some people hear a message like this and they think this doesn't apply to me because I'm good. And I'm saying you only thinking about you. One, you're not thinking about generations or you're not thinking about your kids or somebody else's. I think we should all be very Wesleyan, John Wesleyan, Wesleyan in our approach here. It's like, yes, I want resources coming into my life, not just so that I can acquire possessions, but so that I can accomplish purpose, so that I can move from just being a intercessor to an answer. Come on, Lord, make me an answer, not just an intercessor who's doing the praying. Make me the answer to somebody's prayer. I don't want to just be the person talking to God about somebody else's problems. I want God to be talking to me about being the answer. Go fix fix that. This woman was an answer. I'm done. I'm done. This This is way too much, way further. I was going to go anyway. Watch this now. She sells the oil. She pays off the debt and then lived off the rest. How much did she make? And I'm telling you, we have let the devil have this area. We have let the devil have this area. And this is what's happened. There was this wave in this stream of prosperity theology. Right. And as a result of this wave and instead of constructing an economic theology that was actually more biblically balanced, we went all the way to the other extreme and do no talking about resources at all and just teach people to give it and don't tell them the importance of making it. Because if all we're doing is telling them to give it and not teaching them to make it, we're saying, I care about God's house, but I don't care about how you help people in yours. And we let the devil have it. So we just don't say anything at all or we espouse a poverty theology, which is just as dangerous. And whenever there is extremity, there's error. So if it's just health, wealth, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, call it, haul it. That's extreme. And then money doesn't matter. You don't need any of it. Your treasures in heaven. That's extreme, too. Jesus was poor. Um, Doesn't the text say when the woman with that alabaster box washed the feet of Jesus, Judas said we could have taken this and giving it to the poor. And the text says that Judas didn't say that because he was concerned for the poor. But he said that because he was the keeper of the money bag and he used to help himself to what was in it. Y'all. You think. No, 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 no. You, you think. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got Bob. I got Bob. Don't, don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. And, and uh, John, where are we at? John, let's see here. Uh, where it is? Where am I? Mm-hmm. John here. 
13. Y'all all right? Yes. All right. Uh, the Bible says, verse 29, since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. Is that the book? Okay. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. Judas was a treasurer, y'all. Y'all miss what I just said. He was a, I mean, that's, that's the book, guys. I mean, so you can paint whatever narrative you want to paint, but you got to explain this to me. He was the treasurer. Am I saying Jesus was rich? No, I'm saying this poverty narrative, he's poor compared to what he left in heaven. But Bartimaeus was poor on earth. Jesus was not, y'all not talking to me. Yeah, Jesus was not, Bartimaeus was blind in the beggar. He was poor on earth. Whenever he got ready to leave, he had access to a boat. Y'all, come on. I'm dealing with mindset now. I said he had access to a boat, didn't he? Because Peter owned one. So we've let the devil have this area. And prosperity theology makes you make an idol out of it. So it's more important than it is. But poverty theology makes an idol and a virtue out of lack. So I'm more virtuous if I have less. But who's going to help people? Who's going to help people? Who's going to send people to college? Who's going to close the negative? Who's going to feed the hungry? I'm, d- I'm done, man. I'm done. They, this is... This is If her, not, if her mind does not get renewed, then the next generation is enslaved. Her child, what happened to her? If, her? if her boys become slaves, what happened to her grandbabies? So my question is this. How long are we going to let the devil have this area? And how long are you going to wait on Elisha to knock on your door and just give you everything you need? Like, what, what are you waiting on? It's not coming. You got to put your oil in jars. Did you hear what I just said? 